Hey, real quick, I wanted to let you know about an upcoming conference that you might be interested in attending. It's the Joy in the Home Marriage and Family Conference featuring Todd as the guest speaker. It takes place Saturday, September 17th at Foothills Community Church in Marble Hill, Georgia. Hey, that's my church. The conference will start at 5.30 p.m. with dinner provided just prior to the conference at 4.30 p.m. by Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I told him to do that just to get up Todd's nose. So if you live in the North Georgia area or you just want to make the drive, make your plans now to attend on Saturday, September the 17th by going to foothillscommunitychurch.org to get all of the details and your tickets. We can't wait to see you. And now, our British friend. Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. Evolution is more than a theory. It is a fundamental scientific principle. You know, there's a scientific term for that. It's called baloney. We are so stupid that we think that just because telephones and computers and cars are intelligently designed, that means we are too. Well, we're not. I don't trust that Richard Dawkins. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. It's the only logical explanation, unless you don't want to believe in science and logic. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Courage. What makes a king out of a slave? Courage. What makes the flag on the mast away? Courage. What makes the elephant charge his tusk in the misty mist or the dusky dusk? What makes the muskrat guard his musk? Courage. This is Russian Radio. Christian Courage. What does it look like in the hour that God has providentially placed you in? How are you to communicate truth to a world that doesn't want anything to do with objective truth? That's the question du jour. It's also the question of the day. Recently reading a couple of books by Erwin Lutzer, done with the one halfway through the other, we will not be silenced. Bold term, bold title. What does that look like? What does that mean? How are we supposed to respond to activities, actions, and ideologies that are contra-Bible, that hurt people, that hurt children, that hurt women, that hurt the church? How do we behave courageously in this time? I do believe Believe it or not, the Archbishop of Canterbury has our answer for us. That's right. The Archbishop of the Anglican Communion, Justin Welby, demonstrates what Christian courage doesn't look like. You and I are placed in this time period because God has determined he wants you here And we are seeing the foundations crumble. We're seeing a world whose feet are firmly planted in midair. And we're scratching our heads wondering, what shall we do? That's always the question when the talking heads get you whipped into a frenzy. Hey, this is we can't take this. We got to do something about this. If we don't stop this now, it'll be too late. We're going to lose the country. And then they go to a break and you're left hanging. What what, what, what am I supposed to do? I think the Archbishop of Canterbury helps us know what we're supposed to do. If you're not familiar with the Lambeth Conference, what's a Lambeth? Is it a town? Because it's it's held in Canterbury where the bishops of the Anglican Communion from around the globe gather. I don't know what their schedule is, but I think this was their 15th Lambeth Conference. What's a Lambeth? 
It is a borough of uh, South Greater London. Oh. And second definition, the Archbishop of Canterbury. Oh, <laughs> yeah. How do you get Archbishop of Canterbury out of Lambeth? It's the second letter in the Hebrew alphabet, partly, and then Lambda. So you get, oh, it's so oh, it's a Bible conference, is what it is. Actually, not so much. The point is they got together to meet in Canterbury, and the Anglican bishops from Africa came to Lambeth in England with an agenda. And that agenda was to say, we're not going to take it. We are not going to continue in fellowship with the Anglican communion if we do not get issues of sexuality sorted. That's kind of encouraging, isn't it? It's called the Global South Fellowship of Anglican Churches. It's a worldwide fellowship of Orthodox Anglican provinces and dioceses within the Anglican communion. They came to the conference and the fellow, the Sudanese primate reverend, wow, that's a long business card. Justin Body said, quote, today in Canterbury, we may be gathered together, but we most certainly cannot walk together until provinces have gone against scripture and the will of the consensus of the bishops repent and return to orthodoxy. You know what that looks like to me? What makes the Sphinx the seventh wonder? Courage. The African bishops were exhibiting what I think is our current need for courage. They spoke up. They spoke truth. I'll trust they said it lovingly. And they said, it's just not a negotiable. I think that is the need for the hour. The African Anglicans were willing to have convictions that they believed were biblically based and stand on them and then courageously say, we're not going to take it. No, we ain't going to fake it. We're not going to take it. any." Jimmy, that's pretty catchy. We should jot that down and work on that. That might have some potential, maybe for a Hallmark card or something. So the African Anglicans called the Archbishop of Canterbury, apparently also known as Lambeth. Justin Welby and said, want to be on our side? Now, here's a shocker. He actually said, yeah, I am. And he was preparing and he did prepare and he did actually finally release a statement that said, as the Anglican communion, we have to stick with the Bible and we have to stick with what we've already concluded on the subject. Well, before any sort of vote could get to the Lambeth floor, the progressives started to pitch a fit. And what happened? The Archbishop of Canterbury was not courageous. What makes the hot and top so hot? What puts the ape and ape in What have they got that I ain't got? Courage. That is exactly what we saw demonstrated. Some Anglicans with courage and an Anglican who fainted. Underneath the din of complaints, being told you're not progressive enough, the African Anglican said, we're going to stand on truth. The Archbishop of Canterbury tried to play it, and he allowed progressives to shout down what is so crystal clear in the Bible regarding issues of sexuality. And they didn't, it didn't leave the Anglican communion one step ahead because nothing happened because of it. That, to me, 
as I think a demonstration of the need for this hour. God has you and I here at this time because he has called us to this hour. What does it look like to respond to these atrocities? Well, here's where I think the social media and the cable news falls down. They can't really tell you to do anything other than vote, which, cool, I think we should be doing that. But I think what what contemporary Christian courage based on convictions looks like is you standing in your neighborhood, chatting with people, and perhaps the subject comes up. You have a you have an option in front of you. You can be silent or you can speak up. And I think the call for the hour right now is it's time for Christians to be speaking up more, not obnoxiously, not pugnaciously, but courageously. When we see story after story of abuse of children regarding gender issues, and we see men competing in women's sports, we don't want to be angry sounding Christians. I, I don't think that helps us. And besides, it's, it's, it's sinful. We, we need to courageously and lovingly speak the truth. You know, I think it's a shame that women's sports are being so compromised because of this. I sure wish we could go back to a time where we actually cared for and protected women and ensured things like this didn't happen. Because the Bible says that God created two genders. That word needs to be spoken. Erwin Lutzer's book, We Will Not Be Silenced, has gotten me to thinking about this. And I think that the African Anglicans have really defined what it means to be courageous at this time. We've got to speak out plainly, clearly, call things what they are. And we need to do it lovingly and graciously. And by the way, Pastor, this goes for you too. There's so many pastors who are borderline on the verge of calling it quits, throwing in the towel, and running away from the pulpit and the local church. Sir, maybe, maybe, just maybe this will help you. You know what your convictions are. You know where you you stand on subjects. Be firm. Lovingly preach, lovingly teach, and let the chips fall where they may. In other words, we need to be a little bit more like David when we are faced with something that's scary. Our weapons are not smooth stones. They are words. We can speak truth into a culture. And pastor, you need to be prepared to just lose people. That's, that's where we're at. If you have no convictions, you're going to get beaten like a speed bag on all sides in your church. Know where you stand. Speak and preach truth in love. And if people end up leaving, that's okay. Because your responsibility is to King Jesus, not to complainers and not to progressives. Stand speak truth in love. And I think you're going to lose people, but then I think here's the upside. You'll probably gain people ultimately because as persecution continues to look like it's encroaching closer and closer into our Christian reality, 
People don't want to go to believers don't want to go to silly centers. They'll want to go to a church that speaks the truth with conviction, courageously and in love. What does that look like for each of us next on Wretched Radio? Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon, was hit with an incendiary device. A preborn clinic in Miami vandalized, and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life, and yet the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like Preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today offering free, loving, Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Hello and gracias. That means thank you in Spanish for our unolingual listeners. Gracias for listening to Wretched Radio today, where you learn all kinds of things. And another place you're able to learn stuff, the Wretched website. That's right, Wretched.org is full of amazing content, like each full 30-minute TV episode, our full daily radio episodes. You can also use the nifty search bar to find hundreds of topics that have been discussed on either radio or TV. The Wretched store is there too, and it's loaded with over 40 resources, all produced with the help of our gospel partners. If you're already an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner, thank you. Your efforts and support have helped us reach millions of people with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not a monthly Wretched Gospel partner, would you prayerfully and thoughtfully consider becoming one? You can find answers to virtually any question you have about becoming a gospel partner at wretched.org slash donate. Or you can text the word Wretched to 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles. And the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines. But they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International. Important dates in Christian history. 1273. Thomas Aquinas completes work on Summa Theologica, the theological masterpiece of the Middle Ages. Aquinas synthesized faith and reason, incorporating Aristotelian philosophy into his work and provided a theological framework for Catholic doctrine. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Yep, beating this horse. <laughs> this is Wretched Radio. Bye. 
for the king of the forest. Courage. Not queen, not duke, not prince. What does courage look like today? It looks like you actually standing and speaking. We are called to this hour. I sense that we haven't been picking up the phone to answer the call. How do Christians speak into a culture that is careening toward catastrophe? I think the answer is found not in the cowardly lion, but in being a courageous Christian with convictions. And there are oh so many opportunities to stand and speak in your neighborhood. You're gathered around, you're chatting about issues, you're discussing certain topics or politics. Do you get quiet? Do you get agitated on the inside? And then when everybody turns and scatters to go to their own domiciles, you complain to your spouse about these terrible liberals that live next to us. Or do you find that rather delicate blend of speaking truth in love and saying this is bad. This isn't just like, well, you know, we really have to make room for these ideologies. No, this is very bad. This is very troubling. These ideas that they're, they're called progressive, they're actually regressive, and they do not stand the test of time. They've never worked anywhere. And we need to stop thinking like this and letting people who want to do sinful things Get away with it without saying a word. Now, you can't tase people. You, 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 we don't attack anybody physically. And I don't even think we attack anybody verbally. I don't think that it's helpful to shout people down, uh, to, to see people, who, to, to go to a gay parade and yell at people. I, I, I just I don't think that that's the, the blend of truth and love. But maybe we should be saying something. Maybe we need to start actually because we care about people. And I think that really should be the motive. We care about truth. We care about people. And as we see these liberal ideologies take root in our society, we know that they hurt people. So maybe at your local library where somebody is holding the trans story hour, which apparently is all the rage these days. I don't think you should crash it. I don't think we should shout at parents. But what message could we send? Just maybe handing out a piece of paper with a letter to them. Is it a sign, perhaps, that says something truthful that isn't snarky? What can we be saying in this hour? Because I think this hour is calling for us to not be so mums the word on everything. And I see that we are, we're just letting a lot of people impose their values, which makes them a bully, by the way. And, and, and we're acting like the kid who lets the bully take our lunch money and, and, and our stuff. Now, Historically, some parents would tell the bullied child, that's it, you're going to karate lessons and you're going to fight back and you're going to choke them out. Well, I guess that's one response. I just don't know that that's the biblical response. Instead, 
we should simply be truth tellers. I think that's all it means to be courageous these days. Just saying it, whatever the circumstance, whatever the surrounding is, having a willingness to say, hmm, no, that ideology is unbiblical, it is ungodly, and it is dangerous. And we, we do it lovingly, but we've got to do it. In church, we should be doing this. Pastors and Sunday school teachers, be firmly planted in your biblical convictions and then speak them lovingly and unwaveringly. And when you get hit by a tidal wave of, oh, but the Bible isn't that clear on homosexuality. I'm sorry, it is. And we're not wavering on the issue. And if you cannot live with us by changing your mind on the subject, I'm, I'm sorry, you're, you're, you're going to have to go find a place where some people meet. I wouldn't call it a church, but if they affirm that, you, ne you need to go there because that is not what we're going to be doing here. The end. The end. All of these conversations that we're having. Let's have a dialogue. Let's listen to everybody's stories. No, we know the story and we know what the Bible says and we know where we stand on this issue. And it is time for us to have some courage to speak them. My legal robes of the fatherest. How did he do that? That is, wow, that is a vibrato. Who is the on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson? You'll have to Google who he was. Once upon a time, he was a host, and and there was some singer on, and Johnny Carson. I don't know if it was in front of the singer or not. Basically, said the singer has a vibrato so wide you could throw a cat through it. Which, incidentally, if you if he, if it doesn't actually work, throwing a cat never really a bad idea it's fun they land on their feet okay <laughs> they land on their it's, feet it's okay i'm gonna have to do this jimmy yes that was over the line sorry see i just spoke truth how did i do with the loving part <laughs> i gotta work on that a little bit yeah it's because i was lying <laughs> christians used to stand against issues they didn't fight they didn't take up arms they didn't revolt they didn't rebel. They didn't even, I'm not even sure the word resist is a wise word to use these days because it has an element of put them up, put them up. Like, you know, the cowardly lion. Yes, I am going to play more of this. Would it be satin and not a cotton and not chins? Chins? Is that what he said? Yep. Okay. Christians used to stand up when Romans were leaving their baby girls or children born with some sort of birth defect. They'd leave them in a field to die. And the Christian said, no. Furthermore, they'd take those kids and they'd, they'd bring them into their homes and they'd love on them. Now, how did they do that? Did they go to the door the next? You! are horrible. What's the matter with you? Don't you have any understanding of the value of human life? They didn't they didn't do that. But they would say, "We rescue babies because they're precious in the sight of God, and you should know that what you're doing is murder, and God forbids that. And God will judge that. And you need to be forgiven for that. That is how we speak truth in love. We did it with slavery, didn't we? Remember William Wilberforce, who was an incrementalist, by the way? 
He spoke out. He was unpopular in some quarters, but ultimately his worldview won the day. Now, what if he had been shouted down? Hey, you're going to ruin the economy. Hey, we white people are superior. Get in line. We would still have slavery. But he courageously spoke. He didn't take out a machete. He, he, he didn't plant bombs. He just spoke truthfully. And you have the opportunity to do that, too. Not in Parliament, necessarily, but in your neighborhood. When you're at the community event, don't go looking for a fight. But when the subject comes up, we need to speak up. We used to do this, but now we're being confronted with definitely new ideologies. Sexual revolution, whew, it's practically been won at this point. And we are mostly silent. What could you do to speak, to save people as they stagger to the slaughter, to awaken people whose minds are darkened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ? What can you do? What can I do? You don't have to have a large platform. You've already got a platform. It may not be considered big these days because of social media and followers and friends or whatever they call them. But you have an influence somewhere. Will you speak out on these subjects and say, pedophilia, you can call it man-boy love if you want to. That is wicked. That's that's abuse of children. And, 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 and I say our society should know better. And we need to stop coddling, letting articles be written. Send the letter into the editor when they run a pro-pedophilia article. When there's an article on transgenderism, to speak out, not obnoxiously, but truthfully. And we have opportunities around us constantly. What opportunity should you take? You should figure that out. I need to figure it out. Jimmy needs to figure it out. But this is the time to figure it out because this is the time that requires, you guessed it, courage. <laughs> This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. If you remember a few weeks back, I told you about the UK's pediatric trans clinic that was shut down for being not safe for kids. Well, now 1,000 separate families are suing the clinic for harming their children. The clinic is being accused of rushing minors onto puberty blockers without ever addressing or considering their mental health first. A thousand families? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that this is likely just the tip of the iceberg. And I'm a licensed professional counselor and sex therapist in Erie, Pennsylvania. And today I want to talk about minor attracted persons. They are probably the most vilified population of folks in our culture. Yeah, I'm not going to force you to endure the rest of this lady's diatribe on why society is just too mean to pedophiles. They can't help it, you know. Yeah, they most certainly can help it, ma'am. This evil justification is just another disgusting attempt in culture's war against your children. I really wish someone would step in and take whatever license this lady claims to hold because she apparently doesn't even know how to use it. 
Well, call me cynical, but here's a story that honestly did surprise me. A teenager in Nebraska was recently charged for having an illegal abortion after Facebook turned over direct messages between the girl and her mother to police. The event in question did take place prior to Roe vs. Wade being overturned, but Nebraska does have a 20-week abortion ban in place. And without going into all of the details of this isolated incident, what I wanted to talk about is the part that really did surprise me, which was the cooperation by Facebook, which led to the the team being charged. Now, honestly, they were likely ordered to cooperate, but when it comes to the life issue, how many times have we seen woke outfits like Facebook actually comply? So yeah, that did surprise me a little. Now, another church has voted to break fellowship with the United Methodist denomination. This time, it's a 14,000-member megachurch in Texas. 96% of Woodland Methodist Church voted to move on and disaffiliate with the denomination amidst the ongoing debate over accepting same-sex marriage and homosexual. And this church, I'm afraid, is not going to be the last in likely a long line to make the same decision. Let's continue praying for all of our Methodist brothers and sisters. Well, more terror from Muslim extremists in Nigeria is being reported. This time, an 86-year-old Christian was murdered in his home while two others were kidnapped, most likely for ransom payments. Christian kidnappings are up this year in Nigeria, a country that was already the world's leader in that category. So as we tell you so frequently here at Wretched, please, please make sure that you continue to pray for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio, it's straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible The book of Joel describes a series of disasters that serve as God's judgment and a warning that an even more severe day of judgment is coming. When you see the power and fury of creation, do not fear nature, but fear Him who controls nature. But if God's people will turn to Him in repentance, He will be compassionate and rescue them. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Maybe it's time for a bit of a U-turn. This is Wretched Radio. No doubt, dear Christian, you have been made, or at least they try, to make you feel bad because of your antiquated worldview that causes people with sexual confusion to be suicidal. No doubt you have heard that accusation that people who believe that they are a different gender than the one that God assigned to them will kill themselves if you say that being transgender is sinful. And it just silences the whole conversation. No argument. How dare you believe something that causes people to take their own lives? And incidentally, this is another demonstration of what Carl Truman wrote about in his book, Strange New World, that feelings, because of our psychologized society, feelings are paramount. Feelings guide everything. How I feel, my my contentment, my happiness, how I respond to things, that is what matters, and that's what determines what is true. And it looks something, man, like this. Um, hey, Hey, Jimmy. Yes. Um, you trying to think of something you, oh, your accent, man. I'm telling you, Buck Owens thinks you talk a little bit too Southern. (laughs) How do you feel about that comment? Uh, Horrible. Well, then I, I guess I'm wrong because I made him feel bad. 
that that's that's the that's 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 like the other linguistics tactic besides the old Martin Bailey switcheroo. If you make me feel bad as you speak your truth, then your truth is automatically false because the consequence was hurt feelings. That is exactly what they do when they say an individual who thinks that they're actually a different gender by you saying, no, you got to learn to be comfortable in the gender that God gave to you. It makes them feel bad. Therefore, your statement is false. That's the game that's being played. A very interesting article in The Federalist suggests it's maybe time to turn the tables on this subject headline. Telling kids to hate their biology might be what's actually killing them. Hold on. That's the opposite of what we're told. No, not letting them hate their biology and become a different gender. That's what's killing them. Hold the phone. Who says? What proof do you have for that? How do we know that? And frankly, the evidence is stacked up in such a way that it looks like it's encouraging them to switch genders that is perhaps increasing their depression and suicidal ideations. Transgender and non-binary youth, this is from The Federalist, transgender and non-binary youth have considered suicide at higher rates than other LGBTQ youth. That's from an NPR article. This one's from the New York Times. Children and teens who do not identify with their assigned gender can face higher rates of depression, suicide, and self-harm than the other kids. You, therefore, need to stop believing that they're wrong. Because that is the worst crime that you can commit these days. This was an article in Vox. Affirming trans children's genders reduces their risk of attempting suicide. Huh. And compared anti-trans legislation to, brace yourself, genocide. That's a bomb. A political cartoon in the Washington Post even accused Florida Governor Ron DeSantis of being personally responsible for the suicide of trans children. There's the narrative. What do you and I do with it? I think we courageously, with conviction, speak up and say, hold on. Give me the scientific proof for that. Because I've actually got some scientific proof that supports promoting our our kids and their confusion makes them even more depressed back to the federalist what if the opposite is true of the current narrative the promotion of alternative sexual identities among america's children is aggravating our national mental health crisis and increasing the likelihood of self-harm among vulnerable young populations well then that's that's speaking courageously. So when somebody says to you, hey, your your horrific, oppressive Christian worldview is making people commit suicide. Hold on. I actually think it's your worldview that's causing that. What proof do you have to support your claim? Other than it tends to be a cudgel that bludgeons us and actually works. The New York Times reported that the number of adults identifying as trans has doubled in five years. And this article goes about the business of answering that question. In 2008, a scientific study suggested trans identification among youth might be socially contagious. In other words, 
kids increasingly are saying, I'm not in the right body because it is socially trendy and they even feel some peer pressure or they feel like there is a benefit in identifying as a different gender because of the attention that it brings. It's socially contagious. But they have been quickly and aggressively maligned as bigoted and anti-transgender by pro-trans liberal elites to people like you and me who would suggest, hey, I, I, we, we don't have any statistics that say, well, we just need we, we just have better reporting than we used to have. Now we just know people are more able to say that they're trans or it's socially contagious right now. That fact is telling. Rather than pursue unbiased, dispassionate study of data to understand an unprecedented social phenomenon, the pro-trans movement resorts to name-calling and cancellation. We don't want to play that game. We want to courageously speak truth and love. However, many hidden trans children there were in 2000, it seems a bit presumptuous and unscientific to conclude with no data that this sea change is wholly explained by growing acceptance of trans persons in America. Here's another trend we need to be aware of. One in six youth, youth reported making a suicide plan in the past year. One in, Now, all youth, not transgender, not gay, just all youth. One in six make a plan. Oofta. That's up 44% since 2009. Experts regularly speak of a mental health crisis. These numbers predate the pandemic. Might the increase in gender dysphoria among youth be related to broader societal dysphoria felt by an entire generation of kids? In other words, there's more components going on here than just Christians who say, no, there's only pink and blue. John Grabowski, in his book, The Battle Over the Sexual Difference, notes that for post-operative transgender people, the rate of psychiatric hospitalization is three times higher. Huh. Rates of mortality and criminal conviction for trans people are substantially higher. So our society has been promoting, celebrating, and affirming transgenderism. Crime rates, depression rates, suicide attempt rates are almost fivefold, while suicide death rates are 19 times higher. In other words, even for those people who are undergoing their hormone injections and surgery, which is supposed to be done to make people happier, the mental health problems persist and worsen. Swedish child and, and adolescent psychiatrist Sven, of course, Roman says, there is currently no scientific support for gender corrective treatment to reduce the risk of suicide. To more psychologists who do not appear to be Scandinavian, the best scientific evidence suggests that gender transition is not necessary to prevent suicide. There is no persuasive evidence that gender transition reduces gender dysphoric children's likelihood of killing themselves. There is evidence suggesting that promoting trans ideology is increasing self-harm. You're going to be hit by this. Christian, if you summon up the courage to speak your convictions truthfully and lovingly, oh, you know, it really causes them to be, hold the phone. I've actually seen some scientific studies that suggest just the opposite, that by affirming people in their confusion 
who are already struggling with depression and anxiety, we are actually increasing the amount of depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideations, attempts, and actual suicides. What do you have to say about that? And they can't respond because they don't have scientific proof. A 2016 report observed a large percentage of adolescents referred for gender dysphoria have a substantial co-occurring history of psychosocial and psychological vulnerabilities. A 2012 report found young people with gender dysphoria often present with a wide range of associated difficulties and bullying, depression, self-harm. What do we do with this information? I think we should know it. And I think when we have the opportunity and, 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 and I don't think the excuse of, well, it's going to make my neighbor upset or, oh, they might not give me my ladder back or, oh, I could get in trouble for this. I think it's time for Christians to summon up the courage of their convictions and speak truth in love. This is Wretched Radio. 200. That's right. 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. Their parents are getting saved. The church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network over the local churches, it became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. I want to share with you voicemails we receive nearly daily here at Wretched. Wretched Radio has just really impacted my life. Just really brought me closer to God. Through your video, God saved me. Wouldn't know what to do if I didn't have NRB and Wretched TV. Just wanted to say that Wretched has changed my life. We are grateful to hear the testimonies of our listeners and our viewers, and we want you to also hear the lives that are being impacted by you, our gospel partners. These testimonies aren't about Todd. They're not about Wretched Radio or TV. We wouldn't be able to do the things that we do at Wretched without the support of our gospel partners. So would you prayerfully consider becoming a gospel partner today if you aren't already? Help us to reach the lost all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ because ultimately the glory is all His. It's not Wretched's. It's not even yours. But it is your efforts that help make our efforts possible. And all of those efforts are to the praise and glory of God alone. Get complete details right now at Wretched.org slash donate. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched affordable biblical health sharing Christians paying for other Christians medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. 
it works. And the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Hermeneutics. A vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in scripture is poetry. Poetry relies on imaginative and figurative language to expand on a theme, examine emotions, and reflect on who God is and what he has done. God's timeless truth is written down by biographers and artists alike. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Who's grooming who? Thank you, Aretha Franklin. This is Wretched Radio. A headline from The Daily Caller, the clinical steps to grooming kids match exactly how they're being taught in schools. Oh, what is going on here? Could it be that our educational system is grooming our children? Now, let's be clear. This does not mean that teachers who are imposing information that should only be given to children by their parents. They are not pedophiles. I mean, I suppose some are, but that that's this is not to say that these people are preying on the children. But how they're treating and indoctrinating the children is mm, eerily similar to how pedophiles groom children. This is from The Daily Caller. The steps predators take to groom children for sexual abuse bear a remarkable resemblance to some modern lesson plans in American and elementary schools. This is from clinical experts who spoke to the Daily Caller. The grooming methods that these experts outlined bear a striking resemblance to some of the newer sexual education lessons the political left is pushing into classrooms. How does this work? Glad you asked. The most common tactics groomers employ are cultivating a positive reputation within a community. Check. Introducing sexualized topics or imagery to kids. Double check. Isolating them from their parents. Triple check and encouraging them to keep secrets. That's how groomers prey on little children. Each of these red flags have manifested themselves in classroom policies or public programs for children across America in recent years. What do we do with this information? I think we speak it not not as if we are furious. Ah, you're you pervert, you're grooming the kids. No, but we should be able to bring information like this to our local school. Speak out at a school board meeting as more and more parents are. We need in this hour the uh, vote, the what are they, uh, the silent majority to not be so silent, not to carry arms into a physical battle with people, and frankly, not even to use our words as weapons against people, but to speak truth in love. The need 
arguable, I guess, but I'm not sure it's ever been greater than it is today. Jimmy, there's another ideology that is just revealing itself to be completely bonkers. What's that? This is from City Journal. Making Beethoven woke. They are having revisionist performances of classic works to deconstruct our past. That, that's what that's what people are doing constantly. They're deconstructing everything. This is. <laughs> I like going to the symphony. I, I do like that. The opera is a little harder for me because I don't understand a word they're saying. And it doesn't always have a very good hook. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have the verse, verse, chorus, modulation, chorus, chorus, out, big note. Nevertheless. It was written by people who were of a particular skin color, living on a particular continent. And therefore, we need to deconstruct that music. And this is how they're doing it. The Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City hosted a production of Fidelio. Is it Fidelio? Fidelio. An enlightenment paean to freedom and to marital love. In Beethoven's version of the opera, a wife disguises herself as a male prison guard to free her husband from a Spanish fortress. All right. He gets arrested. She wants to go in and rescue him. Can't go in as a goyle. So she pretends to be a male so that she can be a guard so that she can rescue her husband. At the Metropolitan Museum of Art, Fidelio Fidelio became a Black Lives Matter critique of mass incarceration. <laughs> A BLM activist is writing a doctoral dissertation on the 13th Amendment and the investigating corrupt fascists in the criminal justice system. Huh. wonder if Beethoven had that in mind. In retaliation, racist cops shoot him and a racist warden of a supermax prison throws him into solitary confinement. The activist's wife, unable to persuade any lawyers to take up her husband's case pro bono, goes undercover as a female correctional officer in her husband's prison. Okay, so we don't do the role change. And why would they do that? Why You would think that they'd want her to change gender. Well, please remember in the LGBTQ spectrum that the, the T is not popular among LGB folks. The idea of changing genders because they recognize that it undermines their entire argument, their entire position, that, that if, if gender means nothing, then an individual who says that, I, you know what, I got this from Andrew Sullivan. He said he's, he's, a, he's a conservative gay man. So I guess he's not all that conservative. The point is, he's basically conservative politically. Good writer, seems to be an affable fellow, is gay. And he said, now, wait a second. If we can just flip-flop genders here, he said, if he, as a gay man, remains only interested in men for that activity, then isn't he discriminating against women? Great point. In the Metropolitan Museum, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, their presentation, they have the wife remain a girl. Why? Because another woman in the prison is attracted to her as opposed to 
him. The prison guard's daughter is a lesbian. Her father encourages his daughter to court the new female assistant so that they could promote lesbianism. Aren't we clever as we deconstruct? (laughs) The activist's wife complains that the real conspiracy was not the one for which her husband was detained, but rather, get ready for this, if you don't think that CRT infects everything, here was her complaint. Not that her husband was unlawfully imprisoned, but the prison practiced suppression of immigrants and people of color. The Supermax prison contains people whose only mistake was being poor and black. The imprisoned activist rails against his black jailer. You are complicit in a corrupt system that oppresses our people. (laughs) CRT went to the opera. By the way, Juilliard, we read about this, I think about a week ago. There's an art dance school in England that is fully woke. And they they want to do away with ballet because, yeah, you guessed it. White people invented that, and mostly white people do it. So instead of trying to help others who maybe don't have the ability to take those lessons, instead of doing that and actually, you know, caring for people, just get rid of it, deconstruct it, got to do away with it. This is the Juilliard School in New York City. They They want to tear down what they believe to be anything Eurocentric. And they're, they're all about equity, diversity, inclusion, and belonging issues. And so they are shutting down different types of activities. They don't want you performing this way because that's just too Eurocentric. That's the world we're living in, Christian. So now I think we have an opportunity to expand our understanding of how we might be able to speak truth and love these days. I don't think that if you sat down to dinner with somebody at the Juilliard School or the Metropolitan Museum of Art and said, you know, um, I, I think that maybe your understanding of Eurocentricity is something that you should potentially reconsider because we have no evidence that Beethoven was intending to be communicating the ideologies that you're importing into his work. And I'm sure that you would appreciate it if nobody tampered with your work in a few hundred years. It ain't going to work. Now, we need to point out the fallacies in their thinking. Think Vodibachum expository apologetics. Yes, punch a hole in their worldview. Point out how ridiculous these ideologies are, how they've been tried and found wanting, but we don't stop the conversation there. Then we fill that hole with truth. What is truth? Well, it's Jesus, which means we don't just teach what is a correct way of thinking. We don't just teach worldview. We preach Christ and him crucified. If you are engaging the world, rock on. You are being a courageous Christian with convictions. Let's make sure, however, we don't just turn it into a sociological debate. Instead, we speak the truth of the gospel in love. This is the hour. And until tomorrow, go serve your kings.